You're listening to the Life with Old Dogs podcast, and I'm your host, Dawn Mimnaw, primary caretaker of all of our wonderful senior German Shepherds right here at Woody's Place Senior German Shepherd Sanctuary. Welcome back to the third season of Life with Old Dogs podcast. This uh, this season, we're going to be talking about um, the 20, 20 most common health issues of German shepherds. Um, the 20 most common health issues of German, German shepherds don't just apply to German shepherds. They apply to many breeds, uh, both big and small. But one thing remains the same. Um, you can see many of them in older dogs, regardless of the breed. So uh, this episode, we have Miss Laura Spinelli. And I have to tell you, she is um, she is, in fact, my favorite sister. <laughs> and uh, we have a little joke there. We call each other sister. Uh, even address envelopes in the mail to each other like that. I can't imagine what our mailman's think, but whatever. <laughs> Easter with a bunch of E's. Yeah. Uh, so Laura has been rescuing Roddies since the young age of really 18 years old is when you adopted, where you were able to adopt your first Roddy on your own. And he was a little older, wasn't he, from what I remember? Uh <clears throat> Hi, Dawn. Thank you for inviting me onto your podcast, Life <laughs> Old Dogs, Season 3. I'm Laura Spinelli, your favorite sister. There we go. <laughs> yes, welcome. So, welcome. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I feel very welcome. I'm going to remain calm. I'm going to remain calm. About what I know. <laughs> um, I was lucky enough to adopt a one-and-a-half-year-old male Rottweiler from Bucks County SPCA when I was 18 years old. Uh, and his name was Bear. And yes, and, and that was what started my, uh, you know, my relationship with these amazing Rottweilers. And um, yeah, that's it. 18. I, I don't know why I thought he was older, but yes, he was a year and a half old. You know what? I'm sorry. I'm thinking of of um, Cody. Mm-hmm. There was there was Cody and she was older. She was also a Roddy. Yes. Cody was seven. Um, Cody was my technically my first rescue. Um, and that was in the year 2002. She was seven years old. She was a dog that had been used as a puppy mill pretty much. Mm-hmm. And they had used her, I believe, for nine litters by the time that she was seven years old and then dumped her at the Montgomery County SBCA in Conchhocken. So, yeah, I remember how sad she looked when you when you first brought her home. Like she yeah. she she really just looked dejected to me and <clears throat> and sad and like she had never known love in in her lifetime. Of course, she got plenty of that with you, but that's really what struck me about her and the fact that she was just such a sweet, unassuming little girl, really. Yes, she was. She was fantastic. She was um of course, Bear was adopted to be my pet, and um, he also came from an abusive situation. It was not clearly defined, um, but as you are familiar, as you get to know the dogs in your care, you get to start to see the things that kind of make them uneasy, and uh, there was a, a couple interesting things that I came to know with Bear, and you know, we just kind of worked together and figured out how to get through some of the hurdles, and he really was my, my spirit animal, if you will. 
Right. Um, he was really an amazing dog, kind of just like Woody for you. Right. Uh, and I do believe that he is the reason that, you know, 23 years later, I sit here with gray hair, still rescuing Roddy's and, you know, using and extra pit bulls. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> you, a couple of pits. Yeah. 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 You, you know, when you see one that, you know, needs a home and you have what it takes to be able to help them out, that's just what you do. You know that. Right. So. Right. Uh, let's back up to Bear a little bit, though. I, and I know he was young when you adopted him, but he ended up having cancer. Can you tell us a little about that? Okay. So I would say that uh, Bear was about seven years old uh, when I saw him. Uh, I lived with my parents and our parents. And of course, my, my our mom and dad have uh, tile floors in front of the back door. And he was sitting. And he stood up and I saw blood on the tile. And I thought that that was strange. And, you know, started checking his paws to see, you know, if anything had been cut or anything along those lines, nothing. So I took him to his vet and um, she did an examination and he needed a biopsy. And the determination was made, um, excuse me, that he had what is uh, rectal adenocarcinoma, uh, which is familiar or similar to a human colon cancer. Um, I took him to a really awesome veterinary oncology research center that's in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Uh, Dr. Jeglum was the chief oncologist there. She was really fantastic. And I was able to have his treatments done there. Uh, he didn't need any sort of like intrathecal chemo, um, was able to do pills. Uh, it was still very expensive, but he did uh, make out well with that and was able to move down here to New Jersey with me uh, when I moved in 2004. Very sadly, though, it turned out that um, the chemotherapy had weakened his heart, and um, he passed away suddenly three days before my wedding in 2005 when he was under anesthesia and uh, passed away as a result of a weakened heart. And uh, yeah, that's what took place. Now, I remember that day like it was yesterday. That yeah. Was very, very unfortunate. <clears throat> sure was. You sure did. You sure did. A devote a lot of your time, care and and love and money to him to ensure his his well-being was, you know, the best that it could possibly be. Um, the fact that you you even got him chemo, uh, at, you know, at seven years old. I mean, you you really went above and beyond. And to have him go out like that was just tragic. It really yeah, I, was. I would definitely like to insert a plug for people here to be sure that prior to their dogs undergoing any sort of procedure, as simple as it may seem, mm -hmm. to clarify with their veterinarian the fact that they are monitored while they are under anesthesia. Uh, because as I will sit here and tell you, it is not a good feeling when you have your animal deceased and find out that if you would have spent $50 more, they would have monitored the dog. I said, right. but you didn't even tell me that. So obviously that's where, you know, that, that came to be. Don't assume that dogs are monitored as you would think that, you know, they're right. under anesthesia. They would be uh, definitely make sure that, you know, you're, you have that clarified with your vet, because if I could do that, you know, a hundred times over, I would. So. Yeah. And, and that's a very, very good point to bring up because, you know, how is the average layperson walking into a veterinarian hospital to have their dog put under for a teeth cleaning even supposed to know, you know, that, hey, your dog, you're supposed to spend a little bit more to make sure that your dog is monitored because naturally you're just assuming your dog is being monitored. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the veterinarian told me that he got too much pushback from people that didn't want to spend the extra money 
Um, so he just, you know, didn't really, he wasn't forthcoming with that. And I, I didn't have too many nice things to say to him at the time. And I still feel that way about it, that I feel right. like as an owner, uh, it's the responsibility of the vet to really lay that out for you. Hey, you know, it's going to cost extra X number of dollars to have the animal monitored. And of course, you know, we would have done that. Now, whether or not that would have made a difference, I can't sit here and say, but you know, that he was a fantastic boy bear and I am so grateful that I had him. Mm-hmm. And all these Rottweilers later, I will will tell you that I really do believe he's the reason I still do this. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you do, for me anyway, with Woody, as you know, um, it, not only do they, you know, you, you said he was your spirit animal bear. Uh, they, they resonate you, they resonate with you for whatever the reason that maybe some other dog doesn't to the same degree. Um they changed the trajectory of your life. You know, that connection that you had with bear, he changed the trajectory of your life because then you went on to have Cody and here you have all of these others. Uh, There was Max, right? Um, Moose, sugar. I mean, you've had, and Bruno, of course. I mean, you've, you've had quite a few in addition to the pit bulls that you have and you don't shy away from the senior Rottweilers, you've taken yeah. several now. Yes, and I and I am absolutely happy to. And I and you know the the puppies, uh, you know anybody will pretty much take a puppy in, and that's wonderful. Um, but that's not my speed. I mean, I I like an, an adult dog. Um, I my my family and I because honestly, you know, before I get too much further into this, uh, I have four children. Uh, that you know, and my oldest is 15. Um, I have a 13, I have an 11, and I have a seven. And all of my children, even at their different ages, have all been raised with Rottweilers. They have been raised to respect the boundaries of the dogs, to treat them correctly. And they are all very much necessary in the role that I play in any facet in rescue. Um, Foster, my kids are hands-on and, you know, play a big part in what um, we do. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, even when they when they do come to my house, which isn't often because we live so so far apart, you know, uh, here here come your kids and they don't bat an eyelash at all these German shepherds all over the place because they live the same lifestyle. Yeah. um, Just until a few, uh, I guess, about a month ago at this point. Excuse me. I had four dogs. And uh, we lost one to kidney failure um, that, you know, did not present any sort of symptoms at all until he developed a lameness about a day before. And we took him to the emergency vet uh, to determine the fact that he had this major uh, advanced kidney failure and there was really not too much that could be done. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we, we, uh, have had our adults, we always go for the adults. And when people call about an adult or a senior or a hospice, I mean, we're right there because I feel, uh, very strongly about the fact that dogs, especially in that, you know, portion of their lives to deserve a soft place to land and they deserve to right. know what it is to be loved and taken care of well. And right so, in, in a family setting, not, <laughs> not in fun. a, not in a shelter setting or even even in a I feel like even in a rescue setting that's more like warehousing dogs Seen way too much in, of a, that. in a yep. family setting. Yeah, they, they need to be a part of the family. They want to be a part of your family. Every one of the rescued Rotties that I've had has been active 100 percent in my family's lifestyle, living in our home with us. 
the only one I had that was kind of a different setup was a 12 year old male hospice foster that I had um, that was pretty aggressive. And uh, I, I got along with him very well myself. Um, but the kids, it was a little bit questionable with the kids. So I have a setup downstairs in my basement um, that he was able to be inside. And um, he was he was a dog that was kept outside. Uh, the animal control officers from our local SPCA reached out to me and asked me if I would take him because of his advanced age. He was not fixed. He was intact mm -hmm. um, and actually wound up passing away of testicular cancer from okay. that not being fixed. Right. Um, but I really enjoyed having him. He, he was uh, owned by a service member. And when the service member was deployed, the dog kind of got passed around. It was very sad and uh, wound up just being kept outside constantly and really was just, you know, they were very distant from him. He was fed, but he wasn't really interacted with. So I was grateful we had the opportunity for him to come here. Um, he spent a short time with us. I think I only had him for about six months before he passed away. Um, but he did have a lot of hot dogs while he was here. And, uh, you know, he was a lot a lot of hot dogs. and, you know, he, he was. He was a cool dude, you know. And um, yeah. now, now recently, Moose, uh, the poor boy that we lost about a month ago, he was amazing. Um, he came in and helped my youngest, well, my 13-year-old daughter out um, with some issues with, you know, uh, depression, anxiety that she had going on. Moose really took the role of the comforter in chief um, the for therapist. her. Yeah. And, uh, yep, and he was really awesome. And he stepped right in there and, uh, you know, provided a whole lot of emotional support. And it was pretty amazing to see the bond between a, a stray eight year old Roddy that they picked up off the streets of Georgia that mm -hmm. wound up transported up here to New Jersey to, to a, a circus, uh, you know, and, <laughs> and when he first, uh, met our, our family and was in the back of the car. I'm like, you know, God, pet him, Javon. And he's growling. I'm like, oh, this is going to be exciting. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, when you yeah. when you say circus, I just want to clarify. It's because you have other dogs, cats, uh, rabbits, snakes, I don't have a lizards. Rabbit. Listen, you uh, oh, know, no rabbit. <laughs> I have, you have a lot. We do legit have a zoo. Okay. We have four. I have four kids. I have three stepsons. I have a grandson. Um, I have dogs. We have three dogs. We have four cats. One is a stray that was in our driveway that recently has come in. Um, I have a guinea pig. We have a red-eared slider turtle. We have a tank of hissing cockroaches. We have um, we have a fish tank. We have um, a ball python. We have a, a tricolor Honduran milk snake, a Cali king. We have a bearded dragon. We have leopard geckos, crested geckos, and I have a husband on top of all of that. <laughs> and recently, and we I said crusties, and we have tarantulas, which are yes. totally awesome. Of course, we have four tarantulas. And we have two rats. That's our newest um, addition. Oh my gosh! So there you go. Really, really cool. And you know, so yeah, we we do have a zoo here. So dogs that we foster, um, the rescues and the SPCA that we work with, they love when the dogs are fostered by us because when the dogs roll out of here, there is not much that they have not been exposed right. to. Right. You right. Know, these dogs, you know, you can't yeah. really say bomb proof. But the dogs that roll out of here, let's just say, are, you know, well-versed. In, in yeah, they're well-rounded. That's right. Nothing's yeah. going to surprise them in their new home. So that's yeah. that's phenomenal. And it's it's just awesome that you open up your, your heart and home to these dogs in need, especially when you have so much on your plate already. And I have to say, 
for anyone that's listening, Laura does a fantastic job juggling all of that and remaining calm, Remain while, calm. While, she, while she does it. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, her, uh, Laura and I, Laura is my youngest sister. I have five siblings and uh, I'm sorry, I'm one of five and she's my youngest sibling. And her and I really have the most in common where we pretty much have like all these full-time jobs and still manage to get out there and do everything with a smile on our faces. So yes, just don't know. roll up on us at an ATM machine and give no, us. No, 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 that, that's, that's a, that's a story for another time that some lady will probably never forget. <laughs> yeah, but, awesome. um, okay. So you've had several Roddies. Um, again, some are, some were older, some were younger. So bear had cancer, but can you talk about some of the other health issues you've seen as the dogs got older or, you know, yeah, yes, as they got older. So, um, <clears throat> Rottweilers are unfortunately on the list of dogs that are very prone to cancer as they age really at all ages. Um, the age that you should have a Rottweiler fixed um, is very crucial because it's not your typical dog that you should have fixed at eight weeks old. Um, there's actually a correlation between the age of the dog being fixed and the uh, of, what of osteosarcoma, I guess, showing up later in life um, because of hormone levels. So I learned that early on. Um, but I have experienced a few different cancers in older Rotties. As I mentioned, the rectal adenocarcinoma. I've seen a brain tumor. Uh, one of the bigger ones is hemangiosarcoma, uh, the cancer of blood vessel cells, and uh, testicular cancer as well in Rocky that we were talking about earlier. Now, of course, prolific arthritis. I mean, this is a, a large breed dog, um, both, both the pits. And the Rottweilers, we've seen that. We treat that on a lot of different levels with, uh, you know, your veterinarian prescribed um, painkillers, tramadol, and then, you know, also into the, the vitamins and the different supplements to try to keep them. I mean, I have a whole pharmacy up on top of my refrigerator, Yeah. Um, you know, with, with different, and I'm always reading what you're suggesting, like turmeric seems to be something that really helps a lot. Um, but, you know, we this is pretty much what we deal with. We've seen a whole lot of cancer. We've seen prolific amounts of arthritis. And then recently with a kidney failure, that was a new one for me. Mm -hmm. um, one of the saddest ones that I've seen, I mean, they're all pretty sad, but the hemangiosarcoma was pretty horrible. I don't know if you've had that experience with any of yours, but that was pretty terrible. Um, that was something that kind of came up and it was advanced when it was found already um, because it really is something that's kind of asymptomatic until all of a sudden it isn't. Right. There's not too much that can be done because there's typically splenic involvement at that point. And um, that was very sad. And uh, I've sw uh, since switched vets for the animals that I've seen. That's another thing that I'm going to keep saying is um, as an, an owner, it's important to find a vet or, you know, maybe it's two different vets but a vet or vets that you are very comfortable with, that you share a philosophy with right. and um, really use them as a partner in maintaining the health and happiness of your animal. Um, and, and really don't, don't, uh, don't accept the vets that you don't feel comfortable with. Um, when I had our dog, Max, he was really fantastic. He was a rescue from Gloucester County Animal Shelter down here in Clayton, New Jersey. He was a wonderful, wonderful dog. Uh, we found out that he had the problem um, with hemangiosarcoma. And then about a week prior to him passing, I noticed a, a general overall decline in his health. And um, we took him to the vet. 
And we were seen by a vet that we don't typically see who made it a point to tell me that she believed the quality of life was being uh, affected more by arthritis than hemangiosarcoma. So we, you know, tweaked a few of the medications that he was taking. And then a week later, he passed away from the hemangiosarcoma. I wasn't comfortable with the answer I got then. Uh, and, you know, I, I didn't want that to be something that I came home to where, you know, your dog is sick and has had a problem and then they are suffering because I certainly am not a proponent of that either. Right. right. And so I was disappointed in that. So it is important uh, to really feel, uh, you know, form a good relationship with a veterinarian that you're comfortable with and uh, use them as a partner. So. Oh, no. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. I mean, we've we've been down that pike going to veterinarians very early on that we weren't thrilled with. And so when you find a practice that, you know, again, resonates with you and, and has the same philosophy as you, then you hang on tight to them. Absolutely. Um, and, and you, you said something that uh, we do at Woody's place and we're firm believers of, and sometimes we catch a little backlash over it, but um, our philosophy is that uh, we do the best we can to help these dogs live the best life they can possibly live, but we don't go to any heroic measures to extend their, their natural lives. Like if they have cancer, you know, at 10, 12 years old, we're not doing chemotherapy. We're going to let them live out the best lives they possibly can without subjecting them to something that really in the long run, isn't going to benefit them a whole lot and, really, and pro probably even make their lives um, really unpleasant with right. the remaining time that they do have. So, you know, I know you feel, you feel the same way and listen, um, you know, no one loves to, no one loves to make that decision to, um, you know, end end a dog's life, a, a beloved fur friend's life, but you know, going into taking these dogs in, especially the seniors that it is inevitable and it is part of the process. And that it's going to need to be done and that you need to man up and be with that dog the entire time. Yep. The, the entire time. You don't just take the dog to the vet and drop it off and say, uh, nice knowing you. See you later. You know, you're you're no. there with that dog, reassuring that dog that, you know, I'm here. I'm with you. I know you're scared, but I'm scared, too. But I will be here with you as, as, oh, absolutely. as hard as it is and. You're, I, I don't know about you, but I'm a blubbering idiot every single time, like just completely yeah. unconsolable. Don't talk to me, you know, yeah. while that's yeah. happening. No, no, it's it's rough. I mean, it's definitely rough. We, what we do if we have an animal that comes up against something that's going to, you know, force the shelf life a little bit quicker. Um, we try to uh, define things that actually make the uh, dog's life very enjoyable. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some of our guys are, are great eaters and some of them really love to play ball or, you know, like to chase the other dogs around or, you know, whatever it is that really defines what makes them happy. And as soon as I start seeing that those things aren't taking place, then I really have to start considering the fact that I'm doing things to the dog for my own benefit. Right. And that's not fair. And that's not something that I am comfortable doing. So of course, with the guidance from a vet and, you know, blood work or, or whatever diagnostic yep. test that we can do, I don't ever want to second guess myself or feel like I haven't done what I should have done. Right. Um, but I don't want to feel like I have allowed a dog to suffer for my benefit because I feel like being part, part of being a responsible pet owner is exactly that. It's terrible. Um, but, you know, the dogs can't make that decision for themselves and they, they mm -hmm. you know, can't tell you how much they want. 
So, you know, we give them the best life that we can. And uh, as soon as, you know, we see things that are making it, that are painful, that can't be addressed or something along those lines, we are absolutely there. And it's not, again, it's not just myself. When our poor boy Moose just passed away, it was myself and all four of my children were in there. And part of the process of making that decision, hey, guys, these are the results. Everybody's on board with, you know, there is not anything really that can be done. So, yes, the best decision to do at this point is to allow him to pass peacefully without suffering. And everybody's on board. So there are no questions. And I think that that's very important. It is. It is. It is very important. And I I love that you have your kids involved in this because, um, again, I I think whether you realize it or not, you allowing them to have hands on um, hands on with all of these dogs from the beginning to the very end. I believe it's changing the trajectory of your children's lives. Absolutely. You know, to see, okay, this is what it means to own a dog. I don't just get a dog for on a whim and then that's it. I don't bother with it anymore. They, they realize this is a, a living, breathing creature and I need to take care of this and love this dog. Well, I'm a firm believer on many different levels that we're called to do good things for others, okay? And I'm not just saying that about people, but I'm saying about that about any living being. And, you know, our animals that, you know, they're sentient, they're feeling, they're they're there for us when we don't even know what we need sometimes. They like feel that daughter, like and, and Exactly. And my family together, you know, works with different rescues and independently we do a lot of different things to improve the lives of these animals that are in need. Um, you know, if you'll let me talk about something else uh, in turn with what you were just saying. Sure. Yes. My kids, I believe that it's important to teach kids from a very young age to give back because our kids have all kinds of stuff. You know, they're not very accustomed to hearing the word no. They have the newest shoes and video games and this and that and, you know, everything that they can want. So it's important to teach them um, about giving back. And one of the most important ways to do that is with our animals and being responsible about taking care of them. Like I've explained to you, we have this zoo here, not not really, a you know, a mission charging zoo, but <laughs> it's a level of craziness that fits. Um, and my children all have animals that they're responsible for taking care of. And they do a very nice job of doing that. Now, obviously, you know, I go around and make sure everything is actually done and help however I can, but the kids really do a great job with the animals. Um, And the nice thing is that people hear that you have certain animals and then they start asking you questions. So this is where I'm going with this. Um, uh, we talked about bear a little bit and I was 18. So it was my first experience with the breed and I felt a very big connection, a very strong connection to bear. Now, the more I came to know him in the breed, and you're going to understand this and feel it because you and I both were raised with German shepherds, guardian breed dogs. And then again, now we're talking about the Rotties. And, um, as I came to know him better and the breed better, the more I felt the need to advocate and educate about them. Right. Now, there's a lot of misunderstanding, general misunderstanding between, you know, the, the general public, people that don't have any idea about German shepherds and Rotties and pit bulls. And there's a huge prejudice toward the breed. OK, it's pronounced and it's it's the goal of responsible rescuers, yourself, myself, to educate people to help the breed ultimately, because certain people are not good owners for these dogs. You know, right. that. So do yep. I. they think they are. <laughs> 
And God help all of us when there's a movie that comes out that has a cute German Shepherd or a cute Rottweiler, because the next thing you know, then there's a rush on that particular dog until they're full grown. And yeah. until they start, you know, showing dominance and, and the person doesn't know how to take care of that. Um, Rottweilers are number 15 on the list of dogs most commonly found in shelters. German Shepherds are number five. Um, it's my opinion that the breed is not for everyone. And by educating people about the breed, what it means to be a responsible owner and what you actually have to provide and what you need to do. Right. Um, some of these owner, and I'm sorry that we're not going to be on video for this. If so people can see my air quotes with owner <laughs> surrenders would be avoided unless dogs would find themselves at risk. Because really, when it comes to changing the trajectory, we try to do it in our own house. You do it with your grandson. I do it with my kids. You've done it with your children because your children are responsible pet owners as well. But by, you know, every person telling more people, I really do believe that we can help improve this as we go with less dogs winding up in shelters and then having to have rescues involved to keep them around to, to give them a, you know, beneficial life. So. Absolutely. It, it is it is so important to be a good breed ambassador regardless of the breed. And again, you touched on German shepherds and, and Roddies and there's pit bulls in our family. Um, You know, you have Akitas and Dobermans and these, these poor gladiator dogs really get a bad rap. In fact, there's a shelter that I no longer work with because I can't, I can't bring myself to, and excuse me, out on the adoption floor, they will have all the cute little, uh, Paris Hilton purse dogs because they're easily adopted and all the all the bigger dogs all the German Shepherds Pitbulls Roddies Akitas Dobermans all that that I just named Chows you name it they're all in in the back part of the shelter right. that never get exposure it's because it, it is it is very very unfortunate so it's it's very important to be a good breed ambassador and I want to take that a step further because not only is it good to be a good breed ambassador. Um, and and hopefully that will eliminate people from um, you know dumping their dogs in shelters. They need to look. They need to learn about the breed that they're adopting. They know they need to know how to train the breed they're adopting. But let's take this one step further. They also need to realize these dogs are a lifelong commitment, and they are going to get older. And there are going to be challenges that come up in terms of health. Some may come up sooner rather than later. And, and people need to understand if their dog gets cancer, if their dog is debilitated with arthritis, degenerative myelopathy, if they find out, oh, my dog has hemangiocarcinoma or osteosarcoma, now what am I supposed to do? That is not the time to dump your dog in no, a shelter. No. You no. know, it hurts. Nobody wants to have to go through that. But you you are obligated. You owe that dog. To, to stay with that dog and, and treat the dog the best you can and keep it as comfortable as long as you can. And when it comes time to say goodbye, you are with that dog to the very, until its eyes close. That oh, is it, period. I agree with you a hundred percent. I mean, definitely it's great when you have your dog and everything's great, you know, you right. can go play and you know, they, they are, they're sleeping at your feet, running around, chewing your shoes and all that good stuff. But no, definitely. I agree with you that it is a lifetime commitment and, mm-hmm. you know, people need to do to realize just like you're saying. I mean, I can't tell you how many times we've come across older dogs in shelters and then they do an intake vet exam to find out that the dog has a problem and the people just didn't want to deal with it. Right. And so many of the vet techs that I've spoken with and the veterinarians that I've spoken with, 
they tell you how the dog is just so stressed out because now they're in an unfamiliar place. There's so many unfamiliar smells. It's the most irresponsible thing to do to your animal. No, it doesn't feel good when something is wrong and it's painful and it hurts, but it is the responsible thing and it is the right thing to do because our dogs, they do so much for us. I mean, I I can't get in the door. My husband is out on the road for a good portion of the week. He comes home and I have to wait in line behind the dogs and the kids but to be able to say, hey, welcome home, you know, because they're they're just so happy and they are, you know, just a part of the family and they are, you know, they they want to be involved. And it's really terrible when people just give up and just throw the dogs in a shelter because they can't deal with it. So, again, owners, you know what I mean? Air yes. quote owners. I mean, get out of here. Absolutely. It's, Absolutely. it's not just something on paper. I mean, you definitely need to step up and be there just like you're saying until, until, you know, it's over and, and that's it. So. Right. Absolutely. Um, I want to back up a second here, uh, since we were talking about cancer and arthritis and this is what you, and then of course, kidney disease. Um, why do you think canine cancer is the highest it's ever been? And what do you think we as pet owners can do about that? Okay. So I think environmental toxins, um, poor breeding. And I think that, you know, the commercial diets that really lack in quality, they all play a role. Um, I recently read, because this is something that I do kind of follow because the Rotties are so predisposed. Um, I recently read the leading cause of death in dogs over the age of two is cancer. Um, And 50% of dogs um, age 10 or older are likely to develop the disease Um, by forming a partnership, again, like we said, with a trusted vet and working to find a diet that's appropriate for your dog with that vet and making it as natural as possible, like you with your home cooked stuff that you do um, (laughs) and limiting environmental toxins that we can give our pets um, the best chance of avoiding cancer. I mean, look, there's so many people that treat for fleas and ticks with topical stuff. Oh, man. And look, sometimes I know that the seasons are so bad that the topicals are something I use occasionally because of how bad it gets. But man, I I see people that give these dogs internal flea and tick medications. And I think to myself, I mean, that that's terrible. I mean, that's pretty much a poison that your dog is ingesting. Um, work and see what works. I mean, some people swear by diametaceous earth that we've used a couple times to try to keep things down. Um, but you know, we look at people. I mean, this is something that mirrors society as a whole where cancer numbers are so much higher because of the way things are produced. Know what it is you're feeding your animal, get familiar with what it actually is. I mean, you, you, I'm always impressed when I watch you. I mean, I come home dragging my butt through the door about ready to, you know, pass out on the floor, having to head out to basketball practice in like a half an hour or something. And I'm looking at you cooking home cooked foods and home cooked (laughs) biscuits. And I look at my dogs and they have a sign that says Aunt Dawn's or bust, you know, it's ridiculous. I'm like, now put your suitcases away, you creeps. But I mean, I, I just think it's important, you know, like to, sometimes we do, you know, like rotisserie chicken that they have at the store. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess they're leftover and they kind of pick them off and they sell them as like cooled rotisserie chicken. So I'll buy them and I'll make it with rice and broth. Um, Sometimes for my dogs, they really enjoy that because human grade food really is, you know, you know what it is supposedly, I guess, that you're feeding. Um, But certain commercial diets are really, really poor. And it's a shame because people think that they're decent to feed and they're terrible for a lot of reasons, not even just for 
cancer, but for, you know, your dog becoming overweight, which leads to so many other problems too. So really know what you're feeding your dog. And again, partner with a vet that you trust and make sure it's something that works for your specific animal, because you know, different breeds have different nutritive um, requirements. So make sure you're familiar with what it is and, and do the best you can for your dog. Yeah, definitely educate yourself. Um, So, yeah, I just I wanted to touch base on that. First of all, when my kids were little, I certainly wasn't cooking for our dogs because I just didn't have the time. So my life's a little different now, even though it's still busy. It's a little different. Um, And I I, I've come across a few vets now who, you know, gee, the dog ends up with cancer or or, you know, some other health issue. And and they immediately start saying, well, why don't you try incorporating uh, ground beef and rice? Well, why are we waiting to do that? Why are we waiting till the dog gets sick to give them whole foods? Right. And I look at a bag of dog food and I'll tell you, I mean, we we use dog food too. you know, we use from uh, we use Royal Canin as well. We use canine caviar. They're all top of the line dog foods. I can't afford to cook for all of these dogs. Although, you know, I am trying to include more home cooked meals than I ever have in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, I look at those bags of food and all I see is fruity pebbles. Right. And we wouldn't wake up every day, day after day, year after year, eating the same box of fruity pebbles over and over again. Or let's not even say fruity pebbles. Let's say, you know, a great brand of of, of cereal. Uh, let's say you're in the organic, you know, section at Whole Foods and you're buying the best of the best of cereal. I don't care. You're still not eating that same box of cereal every meal, every day, your entire life and having mm-hmm. all of your nutritional needs met. Right. And that's what these bags of dog food do. I can't even get started on that. But I had a conversation with mom. Now, for those of you who don't know, uh, my mom and Laura's mom, she's in her mid seventies now. And when my mom, mom, yeah, when, when our mom had um, dogs, they didn't have commercial brand dog food. Then they ate whatever the family ate, whatever the family (laughs) <laughs> yeah, whatever the family had for dinner, that's what the dogs had. And they lived longer then. Sure. Now, I'm not saying, you know, hey, make yourself meatloaf and mashed potatoes and cream corn for dinner and, you know, make a bowl for your dog. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that as a treat every once in a while, because but it does have to be nutritionally balanced. Right. Home cooked dog food um, to, you know, to to have the best results. For your dog. But I am saying canine cancer is at the highest rate it's ever been. And I know it that's multifaceted. They're not getting these high rates of cancer just from food alone. Mm -hmm. But I do believe that is one of the major major players along with over vaccinating as well. That's another thing I wanted to talk about, too. I have a lot of friends in the Roddy rescue world that do a lot of tighter testing Mm -hmm. um, to avoid unnecessary vaccination. Also, especially the rabies vaccine, um, your local, your municipality uh, that requires proof of vaccination for a license uh, will typically also accept the tighter test results to show that the dog is still covered. And that is really important as well, because there is always the risk with over vaccination of developing cancer as well. Absolutely. Um, I don't know. Do you remember Chopper? Yes. Okay. Chopper, for those of you who don't know, he was here several years back. He was this big, beautiful male German shepherd, 12 years old. I took him to get his his rabies shot. That's all we do here at the sanctuary because it's required by law. 
And I want to say, what was it? Maybe seven, 10 days later in the same area. Now it was in his shoulder, but the, the vet had given it to him in his back close to where this lump formed. This lump formed. It turned out to be osteosarcoma and he was dead a, a couple of months. No, he was dead a couple of weeks after that. Now, I'm I'm sure the cancer was there prior to the vaccine, but I can't help but wonder if it like sped it along because he didn't have that lump. Right. He didn't have that lump. And then all of a sudden it just appeared. Maybe it's a coincidence. I really don't know. But mm -hmm. that has really stuck with me all of these years. And I, I'm a proponent for uh, tighter tests as well. Right. Um, and Carbondale Veterinary Hospital, I love them so much because they never, ever force anything um, that, you know, I don't think these dogs should have. And I, I just had the greatest compliment from Dr. Sheila a couple couple weeks back over Champ, as a matter of fact. And um, I, I've known her since 2011. And I mean, I've definitely caught crap over the years from people who don't even know any of these dogs thinking I should do this or thinking I should do that. And my own veterinarian said, you know, don't worry about it. She said, I know how you are with these dogs and I think you do a great job. And it really, it made me cry right. because, you know, really her opinion is all that matters to me. Mm -hmm. she's the medical professional. <laughs> right. Well, people you know? don't, people don't understand um, what it actually is that your mission is. And I think a lot of these keyboard warriors, which is what I'll just call them. And I'll mm -hmm. leave it at that. Cause it's nice. Yes. I'll remain calm. <laughs> You're remaining calm. Yes. yes. That's an inside joke folks. Yes. <laughs> um, <remain> calm. <laughs> people don't understand People, I'm speaking to you. Uh, this is my sister that runs and has founded and does a fantastic job with all of these, uh, you know, senior citizen German shepherds. The, this is her lifestyle. I mean, this is not just something that she does for cameras or for canines in the country. This is what my sister does. And Mr. Woody's place and her kids and her home is set up to support, you know, the lifestyle that is led with all the dogs that are there. So the idea that any corner would be cut or anything would be done that is not in the best interest of the dogs really is insulting. Uh, my sister works hand in hand with trusted vets and makes decisions based on medical evidence and what is really in the best interest of the dog. And you know what? I, I support you 100% with what you do. I, I think that sometimes people are passionate and they do it, you know, because they're misguided. They don't understand it's, right. you know, when you see a dog posted on a shelter website, the dog is, you know, needs a home. Save the dog. Save the dog. Well, what do you do for right. save the dog, save the dog? Well, I, I don't live nearby, but you have rescue groups nearby. Do you volunteer? Do you go and help clean up dog poop or walk the dogs or spell mm -hmm. the people that take care of or help wash dishes? Or do you donate or do you transport? There's always a role you can play. If you are a person that cannot get out of your home to do things, there is still always a role you can play. Take that keyboard warrior concept and turn it into something positive and send emails on behalf of a, of a shelter right. and get sponsorships from corporations. Like you did an awesome job with Nona's trans, uh, her treatment with getting the um, sponsorship from that company in Canada that I read about. I was very impressed by that. Thank you so much for that company in Canada for supporting my sister and Woody's place in Nona. That was really awesome. And I will look into what you do and try to support you for being so great and giving back to the community as well. You need to get involved. That's the biggest thing. Before you start pointing fingers at people 
and not understanding the complexities that go into things as well as a person that lives them 24 hours a day. They Turn that energy, that misplaced uh, uh, you know, energy around and and do something constructive rather than just saying, oh, why are you doing that? No, that, that the person that lives with the dogs, that takes care of them, that will miss them wholeheartedly when there's an extra bowl at feeding time or a leash or a dog that's not on that walk, think about them, have a little common sense and use your energy for good. Because I do think people are just sometimes misguided or, you know, their, their intentions are misplaced. So turn it around and and get involved somehow rather than pointing fingers and trying to make people second guess themselves. Cause that really is crappy. I'm I'm sure you'll agree with me about that. I, I totally agree with you. And this is what I love about you. You are, you are definitely strong in your convictions. You're spot on. And if you ran for president, I'd vote for you tomorrow. I I mean, I would, Okay, Laura Spinelli, president 2024, right there. <laughs> and just everyone remain calm yeah, when it does happen, great. okay? Everybody gets a dog, and you need no, to learn I, how to take care of it. Yes. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And yeah. and you are the exact same way. I mean, like I said, we we have this in common. There's there's no doubt about it. So I, I just have to say, and what we'll touch base on the last thing here, but I I look for certain things in people, okay? To to know whether that's that's part that person can is definitely part of my tribe. Of course, you always have been since you've been born. But there are a couple things that I look for, and you're gonna laugh because one of the things I look for. Now I know I I know you've done this, and my daughter-in-law Brooke has done this, and I knew right then I was like, "Yep, she's a keeper." Anyone who will run toward a dog fight to break it up, uh, in my opinion, is mm. a keeper. <laughs> and, 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 you know, there's those people that see a dog fight, they freeze, they don't know what to do. They might run the other way and hope it diffuses itself. <laughs> but oh. anyone who's like tripping over a park bench to get to a dog fight to break yeah. it up, in my opinion, is a keeper because yeah. I, of course I'll run to a dog fight. I know, like, I know you have, oh, and my yeah. daughter-in-law Brooke is also right. another Remain one. Calm. <laughs> run toward the dog fight to break it up. And as soon as I see that, it's like, yep, there's my tribe right there. <laughs> hey, that's, that's another, Hey, if I'm lucky, maybe you'll invite me back again and we can have a conversation about dog psychology, which is also another thing that's so important for people to understand, especially with large breed dogs, because I had the, the, I, I don't, you know, it was a, a bad experience, of course, with the situation that uh, I found myself in that made me learn so much about dog psychology. But I really did learn a lot of lessons and have been able to share a lot of information with people that I believe has impacted the lives of the dogs that were involved, um, you know, to improve situations. So maybe if, you know, you'll have me on again. I'm oh, my like, God. I, I would love that. I would absolutely love that. One hundred percent. Yeah. This we can be, discuss that, it. That would be great. Um, okay, let's, we're going to have to wrap this up because we're almost an hour now. Um, All right. So last, last question here. Uh, how do you think we can not only extend the time we have with our senior dogs, but also ensure that their golden years will be as happy and as healthy as possible? Um, hot dogs. No, I'm sorry. I think keeping them (laughs) physically active. Um, I think enjoying the outdoors, fresh air, sunshine. I mean, look at you with your dogs and how they go on their walks. I think that's so cool. And it really goes a long way. 
obviously we need to adapt as as necessary as they get older, you know, with wheel carts or maybe right. a shorter distance or just, you know, trying to help them outside into a comfortable position where they can enjoy the sun and the and the breeze um, and mentally stimulated. Um, they're the key. Um, you know, partner with your vet. Again, explore tighter tests like we've talked about. Provide regular checkups that will help you to keep on top of any health issues. It's a lot easier to deal with things when they're small versus when right. they're advanced. Um, right. Discuss the use of natural supplements, vitamins, minerals. Follow my sister's um, newsletter that she puts out. She she keeps on top of this and she has a lot of good suggestions. And really, I would finish by saying mostly really take the time to appreciate the gift of your, your dog's presence and all the love that they show because that is really... Um, what is missed the most, you know, when they're, when they're gone and they just leave such a huge hole. So yeah, you, you know, just, just try to give back a little bit of what they give you because they really are amazing. And uh, we're very lucky to have our animals. So I, I think they're all fantastic suggestions. And, you know, as you know, we do short, frequent walks throughout the day here. Um, uh, other dogs like, uh, I'm sorry, Sa- Savvy and Prince and Atticus, mm-hmm. They can go on longer walks. Um, Nona's heartworm positive, so she can't go on long walks. She has to go on. But, you know, we have we have Jensen, who's really, really, you know, he's he's losing his battle with DM. And I we just do whatever we can, like you just said, even if it means getting him out into the sun, letting him hide his lovey for a little bit, helping, I mean, literally slinging his back end around the yard while he's trying to hide his lovey because yeah, that's what that. he loves to do. You we know, have an arm wrestling competition, you know, with all the slinging. I'm yeah. thinking maybe we could do that. You know? I'm telling you what, I'm sitting right here right now with my left shoulder absolutely <laughs> killing me because that dog has a big butt. I am yeah. sorry. That is one big, big heavy butt, butt that I am yeah. toting around uh, right yeah. now, you know, I and, hear that. And, and when people are like, oh, why don't you take more? Why don't you take more? It's like, let's see. I have six right now, two with DM and one that's heartworm yeah. positive. Why don't you take two of them yes, and let me exactly know how it goes? Right. You know? There we go again. <laughs> keyboard warrior. Why don't you take more? Why don't you get involved? Yeah, exactly. Yes, absolutely. Well, this has been awesome. It really has. And I am I'm just so grateful you've been on here. And I'm so appreciative of all your tips. And I'm glad you gave us um, some insight also into the Rottweiler breed. Um, Even though we're Woody's Place Senior German Shepherd Sanctuary, our family is dog rescuers through and through. And it is German Shepherds and it is Rotties and it is Pit Bulls. And you even throw in a little Erfenstrafer there and, you know, you, you, you have us, you know, what's a little Erfenstrafer is this little cockapoo we ended up with. And my sister nicknamed her Erfenstrafer. She, and she ran the show, make no mistake about it. She was awesome until she tried to escape. And I chased her down a secondary road in a towel after a shower. Yeah, she was. She wasn't so awesome then. She was quite the runaway uh, escape artist. No doubt about that. But, Mm -hmm. but um, so yeah, it's it's great to give everybody uh, a little insight on the different uh, different breeds. Um, Regardless of the breeds, when they end up being seniors, they are all subject to health issues, and they're they're really no different across the breeds, whether it be cancer you know, like you said, kidney disease, arthritis or whatever. And big dogs are definitely affected more than smaller dogs. So as Laura is saying, you need to partner with your vet. You need to keep abreast of the problem and, 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 you know, yeah, get, get there sooner rather than later. We yeah. do, we do um, senior blood panels as soon as the dog comes in or geriatric blood panels. That means we're getting blood work done at their annual or semi-annual checkups 
so we know what what we have, what's going on. And then if a problem comes up and we get blood work done, we see what's shifted. So we can address the problem immediately if we can address if we can address it. Yep. But at least, you know, that way there's no surprises. Nobody needs exactly right. So but this was wonderful. And I just want to say thank you so much. And I'm sure our listeners are going to get a whole lot out of this. I really, really appreciate your time. Absolutely. So much love. And thank you for everyone for supporting uh, this this absolutely wonderful place in Woody's and, uh, you know, check them out. And, and share with your friends, because this is really an awesome mission. And I'm very proud myself to stand beside my sister and behind my sister and support her however possible here from another state. So, And I am you too. Thank you so much. Love you so much. Love you too.